Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Joining me today is creative director, producer, writer and facilitator Alex O'Toole. I'm really looking forward to chatting to her all about her career and what she does and finding a bit more about what the creative industry is like. But first of all, welcome to the podcast, Alex. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Okay, so take me back to when you were younger sort of did you always want to have a career a career in the creative arts uh yeah probably I was always very creative as a kid did lots of musical things and always liked art um liked writing so I I always enjoyed those things and went on to university to do creative subjects um but I've kind of had a bit of a I haven't had like a linear career would say I've sort of a lot of artists or people in the creative industries would say that I've kind of tried different things and um eventually got to where I am at the moment and you know they've all been creative pretty much all the things I've done. So what was the journey like from sort of your uni degree to where you are now why don't you tell me a bit about what you did in that length of time? So originally I was meant to go to university to study music um I was trained as a, a classical musician and um but I hate performing <laughs> I hate it with a passion and spent a lot of my youth feeling very uncomfortable because uh you you know forced to sort of perform kind of thing um and so when it got to going to university I got my A-level results and all the universities I applied to were mu- music colleges and I sort of turned, I remember turning around to my dad and said, I'm, I'm not going. <laughs> this is probably the first bit of rebelliousness I had displayed at that point. And um, obviously he was very shocked because that's what they thought I was going to do. Um, but the idea of a year out was also inconceivable to my parents at that time. So I had always loved writing. That was, that was the thing I'd really um, wanted to do and hadn't really vocalised it until that point and so went through clearing um, to do a degree in uh, English and the history of art at York University and that's that's what I did and then from there went on to do an MA in publishing and always thought um, that I would you know at that point was really keen on becoming sort of a, an editor working in the book industry um, but then my father became very ill and um, I, I had came home family's really really important to me and I just I couldn't be I was living down in Oxford at the time and he was in and out of hospital all the time so I, I just felt very uncomfortable being down there when I knew that you know my mum needed me so I came back up and at that point um there weren't really any book publishers in this part of the world. And uh, as part of my publishing course, the, there'd been an element of business uh, within it. And so I started looking for jobs. And I guess kind of at that time, marketing was a big thing. And um, well, it obviously still is, but those were the jobs that were out there. And so I started working in marketing and sort of got onto the wheel of marketing and 
worked my way up um but then eventually um sort of reached a point in my career where I was um you know working at high level working at director level but wasn't really enjoying what I was doing well I wasn't passionate about it um and always wanted to get back to something more creative so had this idea in my mind that when I um when I had had children that maybe I would stop and that, that's basically what I did so had my daughter and then at that point I did another um, MA in creative writing and that sort of gave me the confidence really to move you know use all the skills that I've developed over the last 15 years in marketing and move into um, less of the creative industries and more into the cultural industry. So as I mentioned in the introduction, you're a creative director and, and writer, like you said, with the creative writing that you, you did there. Why don't you talk to me a little bit about what a creative director does and kind of maybe some of the projects that you've been involved with? Okay, so a creative director is slightly different from an artistic director. A creative director is the person that comes up with the concept for a project or a programme or a piece of work. They... Um, come up with the idea the objectives how the thing should um, feel and look um, but also who needs to be involved what what's the mechanism of getting that message across would be or getting the idea across would be um, whereas an artistic director would um, work on the the specific look and feel of the project so it's a it's a sort of it's a more rounded um, approach. So in terms of um, commercial creative direction, uh, if I'm working with um, a creative agency, for example, I would come up with um, the concept for a project and think about the media that might need to be used, think about the, the tone of the voice that might need to be used and who we might want to get involved, you know, which illustrators, which designers, which sound people, so really pulling the whole project together. Um, and then similarly in, in the cultural industries, um, if I'm working, if you know, if I receive a brief from um, an organisation and it might be that they want to engage with a particular community or they might want to do something with a particular type of heritage um, that they have, then it will be up to me to come up with the idea to make that happen and you know, bring in all the artists that would need to be involved and perhaps make the partnerships um, happen. So quite often in the cultural industries, lots of things happen in partnership with other organisations. So it would be up to me to develop those partnerships and um, find a way for both organisations to feed into the creative concept. So it's slightly different in each industry, but yeah. know, there are similarities. And so how does these you say commercial projects that you work on how do the companies and clients kind of choose you is it something that you kind of are partnered with a different organization or are you kind of completely freelance and self-employed that your reputation's just going ahead of you now with with these clients that you take on uh well a lot of the work I get is word of mouth now obviously I've been doing it over 20 years so um you know, I know a lot of people and, and lots of things happen in conversations, but creativity is not something that you say, right, I'm going to be creative now. It's very organic and spontaneous. And lots of the projects that I have been working on over, 
you know, the last 15 years have happened as a result of a conversation, of having a conversation with someone about a problem that they've got um, or an issue that they want to um, explore. And that's how the work has developed. It, they haven't necessarily known that they wanted to create a soundscape or they wanted to um, do a theatre piece or they wanted to do, you know, a radio advertisement, whatever it is. They don't know what it is they want. They just know what the issue is that they need to uh, explore. So that's kind of your creative director hat, um, which I guess, like you said, overarching kind of pulling everything together and really creating that idea for the company. Um, would you say sometimes that the companies outsource that, like they don't have the time to actually sit down and think of the ideas and, you know, because you're, it's what you do, you'll come up with something maybe from the outside that they might not have thought of? Yeah, I, I would guess so. I mean, obviously, some some organizations who have you know perhaps someone in a marketing director role or in a, in a someone in a role that has an element of creativity to what they do they might have a strong idea of what they want and therefore it's up to me and the team that I bring in to interpret that idea in a way that um does what they need it to do but also is like interesting and, and creative um but then other times as I said you know it'll just it'll it'll come out of a conversation that might be something to do with something else completely and um you know the work develops that way so I don't think in the cultural industries quite often you you come up with your own idea and then you have to bid for the money or you might pitch it to an organization that you want to partner with um there is an element of that in the commercial industries but because I'm tending to work with agencies rather than direct to the client or I do do that as well um they tend to have an idea of what they want yeah um so as I mentioned you're also a producer is that kind of the next stage of the creative process kind of producing what happens yeah exactly I mean there's always a bit of an overlap um if you're if you're coming up with the concept in the first place um but yeah it's it's kind of like the um the the project management side of, of things really uh, again slightly different with cultural industries because you're often working with the public or you're working with um, lots of different people from different backgrounds and getting them all to to work together whereas on the commercial side of things it tends to be you're working with more professional you know you're working with professionals in general um, not always but yeah a lot what? of organisation yeah incredibly and I guess you've got to be so organized and like to-do list out of your ears with all the things that you'll have to do with these big projects why did yeah. you kind of I don't know if you chose cult the cultural industry but how come you've kind of leaned more towards that than like solely commercial say uh I'm very community-minded I think you know one of the main issues that I had working purely commercially was that I often ask why am I doing this who am I doing this for you know, what is the purpose of this other than to line someone's pockets? And um, I, I always had a felt um, a calling to to work with the community. I always wanted to do something for the people. I mean, there's no, I, I don't think there's there's any better feeling than helping somebody. Um, and a lot of the work that we do in the cultural industries are about working with the public or working with a, a group within the public that that um, 
have have an issue or want to express themselves in a certain way and um so that's that's kind of why I deliberately made that move because I wanted to have that social aspect to my work I wanted to um think about creative things in a way that wasn't just about making money I guess yeah and again some people might not know what you do as a facilitator so why don't you explain what that role is so um as a facilitator I um do a number of things so um I quite often work to facilitate partnerships between organizations not as part of my you know not as part of a commissioned piece of work but just in my role as within the industry in this area will connect people up and make you know help them to make things happen between themselves but then also a facilitator in terms of um, working with community groups helping them to um, articulate what it is that they want to do as a group or what they need um, and then also in terms of facilitating um, other artists to uh, think about what they want to do in terms of their professional practice. Um, so last year I set up um, an online professional development platform called Good Creator and part of that is facilitating conversations between you know practicing industry professionals and other artists about things that might help them in their careers so you touched on good creator then so why did you decide to set that up and and how long did you say that's been been going on for uh well we've been thinking about it for years um it's i set it up last year it's still in beta at the moment um so we've, there's quite a lot still to do on it and there's lots more in the pipeline but I set it up because, um, partly because I had all this experience that I felt like I wanted to share to support, you know, because I do a lot of supporting of other artists and other creatives in my, you know, just, I just do that part of my work anyway. And um, I enjoy it. I like to see um, people develop their creativity. And, um, you know, that's that's a, one of the main reasons I like what I do. Um, but I also felt that, when you go to art school or when you go to you do a creative course at university um you you're not really given the the tools to actually um work <laughs> as a creative you know how to get the work what to do how to collaborate with other people you know that all those professional skills that you develop in the workplace as a creative you don't tend to have the opportunity to develop them because you're not in an office you're not in a formal meeting a lot of the time. And so there's so many um, things that um, the creative creative people don't get the opportunity to think about or develop as part of their practice. So um, I wanted to maybe bridge that gap somehow um, and come up with a way that people who perhaps can't take a day out for training or can't take a week out to go on a residency could access you know, the kind of training that they need, the kind of um, support that they need to develop their own thinking about their own practice that they could do from their own homes in their own time and at their own pace so that was really important to me so talk me through the process that you you go through when like developing or producing something creative is it dependent on the piece you're creating or do you kind of have like a formulaic structure that you um, apply to each project that you're working on 
Um, well, it is individual to each project, but I mean, generally, yeah, there is, there is a process. Obviously, once you've come up with the concept and you've come up with what's going to happen you've, and you've got the money, because obviously getting the money for it is the is the big thing. And that takes ages. Uh, you have to bid for it, you know, to write the bid. You have to often have to get match funding. Um, so you're lobbying people about the project. You've almost got half to do the project in order to get the money for the project. Once the, you've got the money, then it's about bringing the team together, contracting all the artists, contracting whichever groups you're going to be working with. Um, you know, you're not always working with a community group. You could be working with an organisation on a, something that they want to explore. Um, and then, you know, putting a production schedule together, developing the pieces of work. It, it really depends what it is. You know, if it's a soundscape or a sound piece, you might be having to be doing uh, audio interviews or you might be, you know, recording Foley sounds. If it's a dance piece, you might be doing workshops. You might be, um, you, know, chore you know, working with a choreographer. If it's a theatre piece, you might be working with writers and um, actors. There's so many different elements it could be. So you, you do it, you, you get it all together, you, you know, have some kind of sharing of that piece, whatever it is, um, and you've got to market it all, and then you've got to evaluate it all. So there is a sort of general process, but it's different, I guess, for each, each piece. And talk me about the bids, like, Obviously, it's a different thing, but you hear about like the Eurovision and there's different cities currently bidding. And yeah. every time I hear bids, I think it's such it feels or sounds like such a like a stressful, like high pressure situation. What kind of happens when when those take place? Well, there's there's two sort of levels of bids, really, for independent artists or independent organisations that want to bid. There depends who they're bidding to, but there's usually an application form and it's quite rigorous. So you can't bid for the money without actually knowing exactly who it is you're going to work with and what it is that you want to do and when it is that you're going to be doing the work and where and who with. So you have to basically have planned out the whole project, spoken to all of those people, got them to agree it. And quite often, sometimes these things can take a year to, right. to actually come up with the idea and get it all sorted before you can even write the application and put it in. And, you know, depending on how much money you go for, you might be waiting up to three, four months. Gosh. But then with the bigger bids, so a, a lot of the work that I do as part of Arts Lancashire is um, working in collaboration or in partnership with other um, organisations. And we might go in as a consortium. So for a big bid that would bring in a lot of investment into Lancashire. And so we will we would feed into the, the creation of that bid. And we might write a part of it. We might simply attend some of the workshops that help scope out what's going to happen in that bid. So, yeah, it, it takes a long time. It is, it is hard work. Um, but, you know, in terms of independent creatives, there is advice out there. And it must be incredibly rewarding when you actually are successful with the bid. Yeah, there's always like this moment where you go, yeah, and then you think, oh, no, I've got to actually do it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you were saying, obviously, 20 years experience in the industry and and like the cultural industry work you've worked on. Um, have you any like previous projects or past work examples that maybe you could talk about that the listeners might have heard of or sort of things in, in Lancashire that you've done? Yes, 
So um, there's, there's quite a few. So I have a community interest company called Fable Art. So even though I work independently, I also have a few different things that I, I also run. So one of those is Fable Arts. Um, and that primarily works in participative arts. That's working with communities and with organisations who want to work with communities. Um, and so one of the things that I have done um, with with that is uh, worked with the Morecambe Bay Partnership and um, put together a soundscape based on um, the oral history of the fishing communities across Morecambe Bay. And so um, created that soundscape and then we put it onto trains, onto Northern Rail trains that went all around the bay so that when you got onto that train and you were going through um, Grange Over Sands and um, all the way to Barrow, you're hearing the memories and the histories of um, people from the fishing industry in that area. So that was one thing that we did. Um, another thing that we did that people might know about is we um, had a project called Miss Spellbound Suitcase Stories. And that was uh, a storytelling program that we um, took into schools around Lancashire and also into libraries. So we set up um, an installation in libraries in Fullwood, Kirkham and um, Anstall, I think it was and um, children could go in and they would um, listen to some information that we pre-recorded and you know, was within this installation and they would create their own stories and post them to Miss Spellbound and that would power her journey around the world basically. So things like that. But then also we do a lot of work with um, intergenerational working so there's a program that we have called the archive of aging which explores what it's like to be old and how things will change for people as they get older so the people that are young now what is it going to be like for them when they're older so if you look at fables website at the moment there's three projects on there that contribute to that archive of aging program exploring things like you know what it's like to have dementia what it's like to be in hospital for a long time or in a care setting for a long time and then things like you know what does what do our towns and cities need to be like mm -hmm. for, you know, in order to support older people living independently what do we need to change things like that you're also as you mentioned earlier arts lancashire but you're the chair of Art, arts lancashire tell me a little bit more about what that is as an organization so Arts Lancashire is um, the strategic voice for independent arts professionals across Lancashire. There are 255 businesses across Lancashire, hundreds of uh, independent artists as well. And, um, you know, as a, as a sector, we bring in around seven million into Lancashire each year and we contribute to cultural tourism, which is around 4.5 billion in Lancashire. So it has a huge um you know it's a huge economic driver culture but there are a lot of social aspects to what we do as well so um you know creative subjects are dropping off the curriculum in schools so the work that our cultural organizations do in Lancashire is really important you know within the communities and the things that we offer in terms of entertainment as well because it's quite often the first or only point of contact with creativity and culture that someone might get um, so it's it's important in terms of 
you know the work that we do um in the sector might help somebody to um think about something in a different way it might help them connect with someone in a different way it might help them understand themselves a bit more and those things are really really important because you know with the with with us not teaching as many creative subjects in schools anymore then we're not teaching our kids to think creatively we're not teaching them to think you know find a way out of no way Um, and so it's really important that that you know our cultural sector remains um, because that's you know that's part of the the job that they do is to help people think and be more creative yeah I'm a total like big believer in kind of art at school and drama at school isn't isn't art in the real world and it isn't you know you don't all have to draw the same thing and be expressive in the same way so I do think like it's a shame if if these kind of creative subjects are seen as less important than your maths and your sciences because you know there's there's so much to be said about creative creativity for your mental health and everything um you're obviously like a very very busy person do you get much downtime to do anything else like what what kind of do you like to do in your spare time that you might have um well I mean I mean obviously you know like anyone else I'm juggling all of these things that I'm doing with family life and and looking after aging parents and um so downtime um I honestly I don't really have a lot of downtime I'm always you know when you work for yourself it's relentless um you you're always on kind of thing but you know I, I do like to travel I like to read um just all the stuff that that anyone else would do really but I have to say you know when you're passionate about what you're doing and especially something like creativity it's just what you do all the time yeah. you know so if I if I go to a gallery you know I, you could I might say it's work but I might also say it's pleasure yeah but there's no there's no difference to me really um, I probably should do a bit more exercise <laughs> so if anyone listening today is kind of from a company that might benefit from your um skills what's the best way for them to get in touch with you have you do you want to give out your website yes so um well there's a few different ways um if you want to work with me as a creative director or writer um you can find me at uh, www alexandraotool.co.uk um, if you would like to work with a cultural organization in Lancashire um, or, or you would like to um, develop a project with one of those organizations or you would like to you know support culture by giving a donation or um, you know supporting a particular piece of work um, then you can find me at artslancashire at gmail.com um any either of those two would work oh well thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chatting all about it it's just so interesting to hear all the different things that kind of independent creatives do and what they get up to we have a lot of people on this podcast who um are sort of massive groups and and massive businesses and so to hear all the amazing things you do as kind of just you and your creativeness is really interesting so thank you thank you thanks for having me Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire lass, 
Follow on Facebook and Instagram at From a Lancashire Lass.